It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, weekend bass fishing competitor and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, how are you doing? Hope the new year is treating you right. Welcome to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. I am Dan Tudor, and I am so glad that you're here. Boy, are you ready to start 2017? I am, and I am really thrilled that you're here. It's going to be a fantastic year on the podcast. We have great things planned for the College Recruiting Weekly newsletter, so if you subscribe to that, make sure you check your inbox every Tuesday. And if you don't subscribe to it, you can get it uh, by going to our website, dantutor.com. Look in the upper right-hand corner, and you can subscribe to the free weekly newsletter. Uh, But as for the show today, man, it's going to be a good one. We have brought in an expert, uh, an athletic director who also is involved in a project to really understand how student-athletes think and uh, probing them with questions to get the right answers about the recruiting process, their satisfaction with their athletic department, and all sorts of good stuff. And we're going to talk to him, and very excited to do so. He, he is a former um, speaker at the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference that we host, and has done a great job there. So some of you will recognize him if you've been to the conference. And speaking of the conference, as we launch our first podcast of 2017, we are also taking today to introduce and reveal where we're hosting the 2017 National Collegiate Recruiting Conference. And Coach, I'm just going to tell you, this will be the 10th year that we've done this. And I am so incredibly excited about this event because we've made some changes and we've made some uh, even logistical switches that I think is going to really enhance the uh, the whole conference, and especially for coaches who love history, for coaches who want to, to do more than just sit in a hotel room for three days, which I raised my hand to that. I was, I was getting weary of yet another hotel conference room, and so that was sort of behind why we switched it up. So if you go to the website, dantutor.com backslash conferences, uh, then you're going to get all the details about where we are hosting it this year. And if it doesn't get you excited to attend, uh, boy, you got to check your pulse as a college coach because I'm excited about that. I'm not going to say anything more right now. I want you to go to the website and get all the details. But if you uh, can, make plans June 6th through the 8th, 2017, uh, middle of the week, to be at our conference. It is a fantastic event that coaches have just given us great feedback on because it's really the only place where you can go to get your fellow coaches and experts from around the country in and out of college athletics to give you advice and direction on how to recruit better, how to market more creatively, um, how to ask questions, how to host campus visits, uh, how to organize your recruiting, social media recruiting, we ran. We, we really run the gambit, and and we want you to be there, Coach. 
Uh, this is going to be our 10th year that we've done it, so it's sort of a special year. We've reached the 10-year milestone, and we just want you to be there. So if you can, make plans to do that. And go check out dantutor.com slash conferences, and you'll uh, you'll get all the details. And there's some early registration discounts uh, available now if you uh, commit to going. And you should because it's a valuable uh, valuable resource. And uh, at least have somebody from your school represent your school at the conference uh, we, we love gathering hundreds of coaches around the country at this event. Uh, it's really unlike anything that you've been to. And those of you that have gone to it, you know that. Uh, much, much different than a coach's convention. And not that those are bad. Those are great. And I love going to them and speaking at them. But this is just different. Um, so encourage you to go. Uh, but this is one of the speakers that we've had there. Uh, he has spoken twice. And without really further uh, delay, let's get into today's topic with uh, Penn State Associate Athletic Director Michael Cross, who is going to talk to us about asking the right questions. one of my favorite people to talk to just because he is so darn smart about everything college athletics. And I'm talking uh, with our guest today, Michael Cross. Uh, He is the current associate athletic director at Penn State University in Happy Valley and has also had stops at Bradley where he was the athletic director, Princeton, Michigan. He's had a lot of professional stops in his college athletic career. And he is involved in this effort with his wife uh, in in a project that they have which is Athlete Viewpoint. And the whole goal of Athlete Viewpoint is to find out how college athletes rate their experience at a school, how they chose to go to that school, and really dig into the insights and get answers to the questions that coaches and college athletic administrators want to know about the student-athlete experience. He is a regular conference speaker all over the country. We've had the privilege of having him speak at the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference uh, he has uh, fantastic insights. Uh, one of my favorite blogs to read was Ultimate Sports uh, Insider. And I say was because he's had to curtail that with uh, his new professional duties at Penn State. Uh, but it's a fantastic resource. Lots of interesting articles and opinions. If you want to go to ultimatesportsinsider.com, it has a, a library of his past articles. But in this effort that he's involved with today with his wife, Jennifer Cross, uh, who has another company, Princeton Leadership Services. They are they have teamed up with Athlete Viewpoint, and the whole goal, as I mentioned, is to really dig down and find out what it is that drives student-athletes by asking them the right questions so that it gets the right answers from them that then college coaches and their athletic department uh, administration uh, at their school can use to better create a better environment for those college athletes. And why we wanted him on the show today was because I really wanted to dig into this idea, since they are perfecting this way to ask the right questions to get the right answers of athletes, and that is the whole goal of Athlete Viewpoint, uh, I wanted to find out what are the different ways to ask the right questions to get the best answers if, if you're a coach and this is in the recruiting process, or if you're now coaching this athlete at your school and you want to talk to them about their real experience and, and find out what's really going on inside their head, how does a coach do that? That's why we wanted Michael Cross on today. And we started the conversation with him by asking him what 
prompted him to start Athlete Viewpoint? And what are the main goals of this organization that is really growing with a great reputation around college athletics? That's how we start today's conversation on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Athlete Viewpoint was founded primarily to try and address two specific issues. One, the student-athlete experience has evolved very significantly in what people are seeking in this day and age. Uh, And right now, athletic administrators are very challenged to try and describe what that experience is. We talk about it in uh, non-specific ways, and really the, the objective measures that are out there are very limited. There are wins and losses, there your student athletes graduation uh, rates and APR scores, and whether or not they're behaving off the playing surface, off the field, off the court, and, and being good citizens. So, but trying to come up with some tangible, measurable aspects that can be shared with recruiting Uh, in the recruiting context that can be shared with presidents and trustees, uh, I saw as a very, very big hole in what's happening in the collegiate landscape right now. Uh, So that was the first real motivation that went to this, is how do you start to talk about and demonstrate that uh, if you've got a department of 200 student athletes or 1,000 student athletes, that you're in fact providing and delivering on the things that we all talk about on a daily basis on our college campuses, which is that the student athlete is having uh, a fantastic experience, that we care about student athlete welfare, that we care about their growth and development. Uh, And it's not just enough to say that. I think we all believe that we do it and do it well, but being able to really measure it, compare it, and and understand how your student athlete's experience is within your own department from one team to another, and then how those experiences look not only within your department, but compared to schools across the country was a huge part of why this was developed and put together. The second piece of this is that in many ways, people are already doing this across the country. They are doing something in-house, perhaps using a, a survey tool like SurveyMonkey and saying, oh, I, you know, I'll put something together. The challenges you've got there is that in many cases, this gets given, uh, gets asked of somebody on the staff who either doesn't have the time to do it, doesn't have the particular inclination to do it, uh, doesn't have the the preparation and background training as it relates to survey development, research, statistics. And so like you see in a lot of different pieces of the athletic world and the comparison I've made on a pretty regular basis is toward the outsourcing of corporate sponsorship rights, this strikes me as something that can be better handled. Uh, by an outsourcing uh, situation where you give the responsibility for doing this to somebody who can do it in a more cost-effective manner. You're not reinventing the wheel year after year of trying to tweak the survey and make it better. And and you're not spending time going through and trying to make the data look the way it needs to. You're able to go and simply get on a dashboard, understand what the situation is in your department and start addressing problems as opposed to having put a lot of work into understanding what the problems are in the first place from the voice of the student athlete. So those are really the two primary drivers behind why this was put together. So Michael, why do they tend to answer questions uh, more completely for an outside third party rather than just uh, just their own coach? What, why do they, they, their questions seem so much better uh, when they're, when they're doing that? Why is that? Well, you know, better is an interesting word. I'd like to think that they do it better. Uh, I think they do it better because 
they believe and see that the institution is taking their feedback seriously. If you're willing to go out and invest and use an outside entity um, and put resources behind it, that says that it matters to you. I also think that it helps increase the perception and in fact the reality of confidentiality that I can give a, a legitimate answer, a critical answer, and feel like there's an additional layer of protection between my answer and it ultimately somehow making its way back to a head coach or an assistant coach and that's somehow going to be held against me in a scholarship situation and a playing time situation, whatever. So I think right out of the gate, uh, those two factors give the student athlete the sense that they can give their feedback in a way that won't come back to harm them. There's going to be no retribution for giving uh, feedback that might be critical. So those are two really key factors. I think the next piece is that the, the questions get into, uh, there's been a lot of time and thought put into trying to develop questions that really get at the heart of what the experience is. So rather than a generic type of approach to say, please rate your athletic trainer, you get into a lot of specific aspects. So example, you can ask about confidentiality, you can ask about competence, you can ask about knowledge, you can ask about um, you know, bedside manner, if you will. Uh, you can ask about the, the athletic trainer's concern about the student athlete's individual welfare compared to the important uh, decisions that have to be made about the team and its competitiveness and its ability to compete. So um, it gets really to the heart, uh, based on years and years of experience, of where you see a lot of the grit that comes from the problems we see across the country in intercollegiate athletics, that it goes to the heart of what's a potential problem, what's a risk management situation, what's a quality control situation that's gotta be improved or changed, and gives a student athlete a really specific directed opportunity to speak to the areas where uh, significant problems can arise, uh, but you may not even know that they're there. Uh, some of those problems can be unintended, some of those can be uh, intended but the chance to speak to those really is, is the crucial part and the, the questions and the way they're asked and phrased is a big piece of making sure that you can get to exactly what it is you're trying to find out. I'm wondering what are the big topics or the big uh, ideas and questions that you've seen kids raise in your work uh, through Athlete Viewpoint that have surprised coaches or that they, you hear from coaches that wow, why didn't they just tell me this, whatever this is? What are you, what are you seeing early on as you started this work? I think when, when you think about this work and think about putting it together, uh, people are generally reluctant to be evaluated. And I, and I start from that premise in that, um, you know, nobody likes to get critical feedback about the job they're doing. And I think in particular, um, this can be very challenging for coaches. Coaches are under a lot of pressure related to uh, public perception. You know, there's always media commentary. There's message boards and chat boards that get into all the different types of things about coach does a great job. How come coach didn't recruit so-and-so? How come this player doesn't get more playing time? All those types of things. So uh, hearing directly from their student athletes is something that they may not necessarily be initially comfortable with. Um, but giving the student athlete the opportunity to weigh in in specific ways and give feedback um, really starts to drive home the idea that winning 
and success is a byproduct of how you go about doing your business. And a lot of coaches will talk about that. They'll talk about the importance of the process. They'll talk about you know, building cultures, all those types of things. This is a, a fantastic way to get direct, specific feedback about the culture, about the environment, about the things that you are saying and whether or not they're actually being heard. So when you say, okay, what are the, what are the pieces that have been surprising? I, I wouldn't say they're surprising necessarily, but it's, it's incredibly uh, revealing that out of the gate, some of the things that you think would be obvious aren't necessary. So for example, uh, you know, if you get into a conversation and questions about the practice environment, uh, asking questions about intensity, length of practice, all those types of things, I think coaches in some cases are probably like, oh, we're doing a great job. Um, you know, it's tight, it's concise, it's not. The athletes don't perceive it that way. And in fact, some of the primary comments I see from, from the student athletes is, we stand around a lot. So I think coaches in their minds are saying, I wanna run a tight practice, I wanna run a really consistent practice environment. Feedback from the athletes is, we stand around a lot. There's a lot of talking, we get all warmed up and then all of a sudden we stop and I get a 20 minute lecture and I gotta rewarm up again. Uh, so some of those types of things that you know, aren't necessarily natural to ask, but when given an opportunity to get into some of those things, you can start to learn a lot about what can we do to make our practice environments more effective. Same thing with communication. I think there's a lot of situations where uh, coaches are great communicators off the field, but not necessarily on as it relates to playing time or vice versa. They're really good at communicating as it relates to uh, the, the reasons student athletes are playing or not and the expectations in competition and practice, but do a poor job of being good at building the relationships with the student athletes about things that are outside of, of the playing uh, experience. And as you well know, Dan, the, the relationship building that people put a lot of work into in the recruiting process, you would think should carry over into what it's like uh, once the student athlete arrives on campus, but that's not always the case. So you start to see some really good information. And you know when coaches are, are reluctant to hear the information, a lot of it that's helpful is really the comparative piece that you can compare and say, wow, you know, I think I do a good job with this, but the reality is that when compared to other people who, who do a similar job to mine and coach either in my sport or in other sports at this institution, not quite as tight as I need to be. I can now go and talk to my athletic director or sport administrator and get feedback about how to improve that. I can ask my student athletes what I can do better. I can go and talk to some of the coaches who are great communicators in our department and say, oh, let me, let me learn more about uh, what are the techniques that you have? Are you, um, what are you doing differently? What's been helpful to you? Is it you spend more time text messaging? Is it you've got better communication systems as it relates to, um, uh, you know, team organization, you know, all these things really come together to form a total overarching picture of what the experience is like. But that overarching picture can only come about if you're asking lots of detailed questions in lots of specific ways. So if I had to boil it down to kind of an essence is you really, you're trying to perfect the art of asking questions and sort of the science behind what gets a uh, a, a kid in this generation that's an athlete to open up and talk, and certainly that's a big part of the work that we do, as you know. But I'm, I'm curious, if you had to, if, I, if I'm a brand new coach, and I'm now charged with recruiting in my program, and I really wanted to get good at asking questions, if I just had to ask you, hey, Michael, 
what are the things that I need to do to be somebody who asks great questions? And what's the right way to do that? What would be the, the three or four kind of teaching points that, that you would give me uh, that I would need to focus on or at least learn to master, maybe as it relates specifically to this unique generation of student-athlete? It's a great question, Dan. Uh, I'd say a couple things. I'd start with the premise that communication is a contact sport. Uh, it is very difficult to have a good relationship without good communication. And it's very hard to have good communication if you aren't willing to engage people where they are. So whether that's via uh, technology, which as we well know, this generation of student athletes is, is really uh, attached to their phone uh, or their, um, you know, whatever they're calling their device these days, but I'll call it a phone. Uh, you know, they're really attached to that. So that's the first piece is, is meet them where they are. I think from there, the, there's a couple key words that come to mind for me. One is honest. Uh, I think you've got to create an environment where you will be honest with your student athletes and simultaneously you have to encourage an environment where your athletes can feel free to be honest with you. And you may not always hear what you want to hear, uh, just like you won't always tell them what you want, what they want to hear, but through the honest dialogue and exchange is where you start to get to some of these types of things. I think this, the other piece is the word genuine. Um, you need to have a genuine interest in their uh, welfare and development. You need to have a genuine interest in seeing them succeed as people. And uh, if you can do that, it comes through in really, really meaningful ways. If the only reason you're doing it is because, hey, the experts say I should do this, but I'm not really committed to doing this in a way that's gonna be valuable to me, I'm not gonna be a receptive listener, probably doesn't have a whole lot of, of worth or value. So. Those are things that really come to mind for me is the genuineness, the honesty, um, and, the, and the, the contact, the, the ongoing contact and relationship building that is required once your student athlete arrives on campus. Again, there's so many people out there who I think are great recruiters. Uh, you do that because you're trying to get people interested in your, in your team, in your university, in your department. Uh, Continuing that once you you close the deal, I think is crucial. And and one of the things we do get into with our with our uh, surveying is does what you hear is what you heard in the recruiting process actually align with what you're experiencing now that you're on campus? And it's really fascinating to see in some cases how incredibly closely aligned the language is between what the student athlete heard when they were recruited and what they're now experiencing. And in other cases, how incredibly uh, far apart those two things are. And obviously, the ones that are far apart are going to have significantly more problems in their program than the ones who are, are very consistent with their language and their approach, both in what they're telling people is going to happen and what actually happens once they arrive. So let, let's dig into that part a little bit deeper because I'll, I'll lean on some of your experience in athletic departments that you've worked in. Uh, because what you just described are two different coaches, one that is a great communicator while the recruiting is going on, and then when the athlete shows up on campus, they continue that great communication and really put forward a, a system and a program for making sure that they have an open-door policy and they communicate well, uh, and that what they said on, their, uh, on the recruiting visit is actually the case once they show up on campus. And then you also have the coach who... who uh, 
for whether it's by plan or just because they get busy, they don't communicate as well after the fact. Um, I'm I'm just wondering from your perspective in administration, uh, without of course going into names and going into uh, specific uh, scenarios that may have played out, but can you kind of give me a view of, in your opinion, why that that second coach I described that maybe the poor communicator why they're like that. Is it just that they get busy? Do they not put a priority on it after the athlete gets to campus? Or what, what, what would you chalk that up to? Excellent question, Dan. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I think there's a variety of reasons. There's, there's you know, no, no person comes in a, a neat and tidy uh, package where you can say, here's the reason why this person communicates and here's why they don't. Uh, but I do think there are a couple things that come to mind for me, and, and I'd share them as follows. One is um, the extent to which the, the coach or the administrator has a clear understanding of why they do what they do is crucial. Uh, and, I, and I like to use the word philosophy in that what's your philosophy, what's your approach, what's your belief, what's your core values? Those things really start to inform the extent to which um, you're, you're going to be a good communicator around topics that are difficult. I mean, you want to move past the superficial into a lot of the nuts and bolts. The hard part is this takes time. I mean, if you're dealing with a team that, let's say, has 20 athletes, um, you're dealing with 20 people at the most, you know, most, one of the most formative periods in their lives. And those formative time periods are crucial uh, because their student athletes are going through a lot, a lot of changes in their life. They're trying to figure out what's my career going to be. They're trying to navigate relationships. They're trying to understand what it's like to live on their own for the first time. They're dealing with incredible amounts of freedom in their day. And it's hard sometimes for coaches to remember, I went through that once and I've got to continue to re-engage in this. Um, and some of it becomes, hey, I want, to, I want to provide programs. We provide you know, speakers and guest talks and all these types of things. Those are helpful. But some of it has to be in the moment learning and teaching that when a student athlete makes a bad mistake uh, or a, a poor choice on a weekend, how do, you, how do you help them navigate through what that might be? Um, when a student athlete is, is really down about a situation that's happening at home with a, a family member who's going through a divorce or a family member who's sick or just passed away, being there for them takes, takes time. And the challenge you've got is that we all have the same 24 hours in the day and you've got to try to manage those pressures. They could be pressures from your own home. They could be pressures from assistant coaches. Like head coaches have really, really difficult jobs, and these are incredibly immersive positions. Uh, so you have to be willing to immerse yourself fully uh, in ways that do have uh, real costs as it relates to some of your own relationships and as it relates to some of your own, um, you know, some of your own time and how that time is spent. I mean, you're unfortunately really never off the clock. So that can be a challenge. And, and if you do it long enough, uh, it, it can wear on you. There's no question about it. It's just, it's, it's high demand, it's high stress. Recruiting is a, is a 365 day a year experience. And so you get to the stage where you start looking at your coaches and you're going, we got to figure out a time to carve out some time for them to recover and, uh, you know, get, get back and, and recharge so they can go back and do the things we want them to do because they're good people, they're well-intentioned, but really time is an enormous piece of the equation for sure. Are there right questions to ask uh, 
at the end of the process or, or deeper into recruiting versus at the start? And I guess I, here's why I'm asking this, Michael. I, I talk to a lot of coaches, and we obviously work with a lot of coaches, and they're always curious to want uh, and need information from a recruit faster, sooner. Um, I want to jump on the phone and ask them to come visit if they want to come visit campus on the first call because we want them here right away. And what I found is that there seems to be right topics and the correct time for those topics maybe later on in the process versus one of the first one or two conversations that they would have with uh, an athlete. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, are there are there questions or topics that you as a coach would want to ask later on in the process versus earlier um, and if so, what are those questions just based on the research that you've done and the feedback that you're hearing through Athlete Viewpoint? Well, we spend, a f- we spend a fair amount of time getting into details related to why did you choose a particular institution, uh, you know, who were your comparative schools, some of those types of things. And really, I think that question, Dan, honestly varies from campus to campus. Uh, if you are uh, considering, let's say, uh, a school that's in the Ivy League uh, or are interested in a school that's in the Ivy League, you've probably, in many cases, had some notion that that might be a place that would be a good fit for you from an academic standpoint. It might also be a good fit for you from an athletic standpoint. Uh, and, and some of the recruiting that happens there is a bit later because of some of the admissions processes. Um, I think in other situations, you know, depending on the sport, you may be dealing with athletes who are, are solely or very heavily focused on college as part of a path to a professional career uh, in athletics, uh, regardless of how realistic or unrealistic that may be for an individual. So that may change the focus of your conversations. Um, but what I'm seeing a fair amount of at this point is that many of the conversations, you know, I'm sure you hear these stories all the time, you know, you've got individuals, kids who are committing to colleges and universities who are grammar schoolers. They are, they have not yet reached high school. Uh, they're being recruited by incredibly savvy uh, professionals who know that this person will likely project to a level that can, that can play at some elite places. And that starts to put all kinds of pressures into the system. So, you know, what are the questions that you ask? What are the pressures that you put on somebody? You know, I think the trend toward early recruiting is, is highly unfortunate. I mean, you're asking people who, you know, are, are young, you know, young children who don't have enough ability to figure out, hey, you know, how am I going to get through the day, much less where do I want to go to college four or five years from now? I think it's just a, it's a huge miss. Um, but each campus is different. I mean, if you're dealing with an older, more mature student who's perhaps a junior or a senior, the things that I see in the recruiting process uh, or in the feedback that we get have very much to do with things about academic major, have very much to do with uh, what the environment is like on the team, who the coach is. I don't see a lot of language that talks about, oh, did you have great facilities? You know, that's not, I know we're investing, you know, millions and millions of dollars in facilities. Facilities rarely seem to be the reason somebody chooses school A over school B. It's about Relationships with coaches, the environment and culture on the team, uh, understanding who I'm going to be spending time with uh, while I'm there as a student athlete, what's my day-to-day campus life going to be like, can I see myself walking on this campus on a regular basis, 
Um, and it comes down to that always popular word of fit. Does this fit with who I am? Does this fit with who I envision myself as a person now and who I envision myself becoming as a, as a person four or five years from now or six years from now when I'm done with college? So those are all factors that really get into the nuts and bolts of this. But the relationship piece and, and, and enjoying being around the people you're going to spend more time with than anybody else every single day becomes paramount in a lot of this. So, so, oh, mute that. So, uh, you actually bring up something that uh, I was on my list to ask you about, and this whole idea of you know how to ask the right questions, getting the best answers from athletes. And you brought up early recruiting because, of course, you know the, the two kind of competing thoughts here is you have kids that expect to get recruited early, and many of them want to get recruited early. And the coaches are recruiting them earlier because that's competitively what they have to do. And yet the rules as they stand right now, as we do this interview in January of 2017, is that you have limits as a coach on when you can actually bring a kid to campus, when you can talk to them on the phone, or when you can communicate with them directly, as opposed to trying to find you know back channels, hey, have the dad call me, and, and everything that goes on in, in college recruiting and under the banner of, of early recruiting. So again, I'll, I'll put you in the, uh, in the expert role of giving a, a coach the advice, uh, how do you best get an athlete who's younger, who you may have to early recruit based on your sport, how do you get them to answer effectively? And I guess what weight do you give those answers, just given the fact that you might be talking to a freshman or a sophomore uh, that you finally get to call your cell phone or call your office? How do you how do you weigh what they're telling you as an answer to the question um, compared to maybe what they're thinking later on once they uh, get ready to officially commit? Well, that is the challenge. Uh, <laughs> you know, the... <laughs> the uh, I think I'd say a couple things. One, I tend to like to think that, you know, if I'm a parent, if I'm a student, I want what's best for my son or daughter. I want what's best for myself. So the extent to which I'm going to tell you things that that uh, fit with who I think you are um, may or may not work. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people probably try to figure out, okay, what do I say to this coach here? So I let them know that I'm interested, but I'm not uh, but I'm not ready to jump in and, and commit yet, or vice versa. The coach might be like, yeah, look, I want to build a relationship with this, with this student, with this prospect, but I'm not ready to commit to them yet. They haven't right. fully matured yet. I got a lot of questions I've got to ask. You know, so I, I think if you set some early standards and ground rules about, um, you know, again, I go to the words honesty and genuineness. That comes through over and over and over, that if you are a genuinely interested in the best interest of that student athlete, it's going to turn out well. I mean, you hear these stories about, you know, student athlete commits to another institution and the coach slams down the phone and says, worst mistake you've ever made. I can't wait to beat you for, you know, four years in a row. Like, is that really how you want to conclude the relationship? Like that person might have a bad experience at school one and say, hey, I want to transfer back to your place because you were so great to work with and I made a a bad decision. So, but those things happen and you hear about them. but the honesty and the genuineness, I think, is a big piece of the equation, first and foremost. From there, uh, I think you got to take it in really small bites. You know, I, I just don't know that you can realistically expect to ask an eighth grader or a freshman, hey, 
you know, tell me what you're dreaming about when you get to when you get to college. Um, you know, tell me how this fits with with uh, you know with your plans. Um, because really, they're they've become sophisticated and educated in the sport aspect of this. You know, the the, the video that's out there today, the professionalization of, of how much is happening with with travel teams and everything else has changed that dynamic. But so many of the people in that process are not as dialed into what is college really all about? What is it what is it intended to do? And how would you go about this process differently if you weren't a student athlete at all? Would you think about this in the same way? And, and I think that's really an important piece of the equation is the extent to which you can tell people about what the culture and environment is of your, of your institution and ask them questions that get insights into what their culture and environment is like, what motivates them. Uh, and, and there's important things out there. I mean, there's, there's whether it's the importance of religion in people's lives, whether it's the importance of, you know, asking questions about um, current events that might be happening. Uh, you know, politics is a little tricky, but, you know, we're, we're a society that's loaded with information, getting people's insights about how they view certain globally understood topics can be helpful um, and, and you can start to figure out is this person going to approach this in a way that fits with who I want my team to ultimately be uh, and who I want to surround myself with on a daily basis so you know I think the biggest challenge is you know you see some red flags and, and you ultimately say oh I can figure out a way to try and change this person once they get here uh, you're dealing with a lot of finished products as it relates to attitudes and work ethic and other things. And um, if that doesn't align with how you like to run your day, I'd say go in a different direction. You know, get people who fit the values and the culture that you want to create, and then find people with the most talent that have those things first, and you're going to be uh, in pretty good shape. Two more quick questions, Michael, and I appreciate your time. And this is this is a fascinating conversation. That I guess my one of the questions would be uh, with parents, because we've talked about asking questions and getting feedback from athletes and the importance of that. But of course, we all know parents play a huge role uh, in the final decision making process, and especially for those younger kids we were just talking about. You know, they're they're leaning on mom and dad for guidance on, hey, what do you think I should do? Uh, and who do you think I should commit to as a sophomore, uh, if that's going to be the case? So I'm just wondering what what is your advice, or what have you seen through your research and through athlete viewpoint, as far as the right questions to ask parents and the things that they want to talk about uh, versus what their son or their daughter might be wanting to talk about as a potential athlete? Because I mean they're approaching it from a different perspective as parents. And I'm just wondering, either from again your your work with Athlete Viewpoint or uh, your your experience in uh, athletic administration and college sports, what would your advice be for coaches in terms of asking parents questions and how how should those be different? Well, from the from the Athlete Viewpoint perspective, you know we do not survey parents. Uh, I've had a number of conversations with people about whether or not. Uh, that's something we should start doing because I think there's a fair amount of interest in trying to get some parent perspectives. But that's not something that out of the gate we're, we're currently doing. So, but, but what I see on a regular basis in the recruiting work that I do uh, here at Penn State is you know, there's a, the parents are, are very interested in that 
you're dealing with a couple different factors. One, they want to make sure that their son or daughter is going to be, in most cases, in a safe, um, values-based environment that they know that the people they're going to surround their son or daughter with are the types of people they want them to ultimately grow up to be, you know, and, and so um, whether that's become a, to become a doctor, whether that's to become a preacher, whether that's to become uh, a teacher, an engineer, whatever it might be, that there's some type of, of willingness to uh, surround yourself with people who have some some values based and you understand what those values are I think is a really key and important piece for parents um, second thing I would say is that some of this gets into uh, issues related to finances there's no question about it uh, if you're in a sport that's dealing with you know full scholarship offers that's an easy uh, easy conversation either you're getting one or you're not if you're in a, an equivalency sport and you're dealing with partial scholarship offers uh, really, I think your challenge is to figure out what's what's a fair, what's fair, what makes sense relative to all the other things that that my son or daughter could receive uh, at another institution. Um, but if you're if you're really just shopping around for the best deal or the lowest sticker price, I don't find that to be a very discerning approach to trying to figure out where you want to go. And I think the extent to which you make it about things other than finances in terms of the quality of the institution, the major that your son or daughter might um, you know, be pursuing, uh, all the different types of things that relate to the people you'll be surrounded with, I think that's a huge piece of the equation. But finances weighs in there to some extent for sure. Uh, and then the last thing, you know, you get into some issues of geography. You know, I think parents like to, you know, they've watched their, their kids play for, you know, eight, ten years. Turning that off, I think, is going to be a challenge. So having some geographic proximity is going to be valuable and helpful for sure. Um, and then the last thing is there's an aspect of, of parents wanting to be able to say, my son or daughter is going to this institution and being able to and being proud to say man they're going to participate or play for coach so and so at school x um so the extent to which they feel good about those things i think helps as well i mean they they have egos uh they have um you know they've invested heavily in the development of their son or daughter and you know they want to be able to say to people yeah you know they worked really hard and they earned this opportunity and and they're having a great experience at this school uh, and there's fantastic schools across the country, and, and finding the one that's the right fit um, that makes sense in, in terms of where they're from, what they're about, what their backgrounds are, uh, is a really important thing. And if Last question. I'm a new coach. I walk into your office, and I say, I really want to be a good recruiter. I really want to be able to communicate and and talk to these kids and their parents that I'm recruiting, and I really want to get the best information out of them. So give me your, your three or four things that you want to make sure that I should be doing, Mr. Cross. What would your answer to them be? And I know we talked a little bit philosophically about the general areas that, that uh, you know, coaches should pay attention to. But what would your advice be to the coach who's listening to this and has said, man, I'm, I feel like I'm doing a lot of things wrong or they're bringing up things that I know I should be doing better, but where do I start? Um, I'm just wanting to sort of leave coaches with a definite takeaway uh, after listening to this conversation that they can use immediately when they start recruiting. So what would your advice be for them? Great question, Dan. A uh, couple things. One, 
I think if you're going to be an effective recruiter, if you're going to be an effective salesperson, if you're going to be an effective, uh, really in anything, you have to have a good understanding of who you are personally as a coach or as a salesperson. And you have to have a good understanding of what it is you're trying to sell. And I think that really is an individual question. We're all different people. But I think some people go into this and say, I'm going to sell the quality of our facilities, or I'm going to sell the academic strength of the institution, or I'm going to sell uh, the core values of our program. But but people, you know, we're, we're in an age right now where uh, people communicate in, you know, 140 characters on Twitter, uh, we text, we use emojis, like we've really boiled down incredibly complex decisions to these tiny little snippets and our communications in tiny little snippets. So the extent to which you've got a matrix, uh, a formula, uh, a flow chart, if you will, not necessarily that you share publicly, but within your own world where you say, these are the things that we are going to communicate about over and over and over. Here's our vision, here's our mission, here's our core values, here's the way we go about it. And that it's simple and understood and can be grasped by an eighth or seventh grader, can be grasped by a sophomore, junior, or senior in high school, can be grasped by their parents, I think is incredibly powerful. I think the extent to which you've got a simple, coherent, understandable message is great. The extent to which you can then reinforce that through the images that you use, the videos that you put together, the emails that you send, the texts that you send, the extent to which you go through those things and genuinely believe them yourself as a head coach goes a long, long way toward ultimately attracting the types of people you're saying you want to attract. So. Uh, it's almost, you have to, you know, you were hoping that the people you're recruiting are going to mirror back and, and repeat back to you the things you're saying. And when you start having that happen, you know you're communicating it clearly and simultaneously you know it's being heard clearly. Somebody may decide this isn't for me um, and you're not going to win every recruiting battle and some of those losses may hurt more than others. But at the end of the day, um, the extent to which you're consistent and clear in your message and attract people who buy into and believe that message makes your life that much easier and makes your ability to be successful that much greater. Uh, the challenge you've got is that you may need a quick fix. You know, you're in year one. Most times you walk into a new job, the tires aren't all pumped up. You've got you've to do some fixes. You know, you may have to do some of that internally. You want to make sure that, that if you've got people who don't buy into that in your current team, you may not want them on your current team. You've, you've got to get that culture moving and evolving as quickly as possible uh, so that everything you do is in alignment with that. And the extent to which that happens ultimately is going to help you in recruiting, success in competition, success in practice, moving student athletes toward graduation, and get you where you want to be. Michael Cross, we want to thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate all your insights. You can go to athleteviewpoint.com for all of his information. And don't forget, Coach, we've got the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference coming up this summer, June 6th through 8th. We've just announced everything today, so go to dantutor.com and look on the Conferences tab and get all that information and plan on being there. Until next time, have a great week out there recruiting, Coach. Coach.